How do you take care of yourself when your family goes into crisis? Is that even a real thing? Is it even possible? What do you do when it all seems to fall apart? How do you catch your breath? How do you find your way? And how do you figure out what's next? Welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. I'm Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We usually keep it about business here on the show, but sometimes life happens. And when it does, it disrupts our regular every day, and we need to give it pause. We need to give it attention and have a being human moment. Today is one of those shows, so if you're all business all the time, I might recommend you take a second look at that, but today's show probably won't be for you. You can scroll back to any of the other 200 plus episodes we've got and find something business related. But today we're talking about how do you breathe through a moment when life happens to your family. I got a letter um, over a week ago or so, and I've been sitting with it and interacting a bit with the um, person who sent it to me, really trying to come up with a good way to offer some actionable, helpful advice with compassion to a situation that I know a little bit about. So what do you do And what does self-care look like when something bad really happens? Um, I don't think we talk a lot about that. I think we say like, oh, take care of yourself, eat, sleep. Um, And in those moments, you kind of want to be like, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Like, I'm not taking care of myself right now. Do you not see what's in front of me? Um, So I'm going to jump into today's letter. I'll find you on the other side. And we're going to have a conversation about keeping it real when times get really hard, and how do you catch your breath? So here goes. Heather, I've already submitted a question, and you have so graciously answered it before. I hope I'm not overstepping by sending you a second one. I'm hoping that this time you would be willing to help a friend of mine. I have no idea what I can say to her, but knowing your story, I think you probably do. Three weeks ago, her husband was in a horrific car accident caused by a drunk driver. He has broken bones in both of his legs and has an elbow injury as well. A broken rib seems to have punctured his lung and he's been having difficulty breathing. He's been in the ICU for some problems with internal bleeding and they are closely monitoring his brain for swelling and traumatic brain injury. There's also concern of spinal shock. They don't think he will have a permanent spinal cord injury, but he's experiencing numbness and nerve pain. She's been at the hospital full time and she looks like she's aged 10 years in less than a month. Our tribe has rallied around in support of them. We've offered to be with him while she gets some sleep, and we have made sure she has meals. Recovery with his leg injury sounds like it will be long and arduous. It'll be complicated, too, by the fact that his elbow can't bear weight. We want to encourage her to take care of herself, but we don't even know what that means. I'm hoping you could just talk to her through your show and offer some words of wisdom. Okay, first of all, I have to be honest with you. I took a deep breath reading this letter and uh, thanks so much for engaging in a conversation with me about your question. Um, I learned from the letter writer that the friend she's talking about is Leslie and I had permission to use Leslie's name on the show. I just wanted to make it as much of a personal response as possible. If I was gonna do this, I wanted to set it up for as much success as possible. The reason why this letter writer uh, reached out to me is because I've 
shared on the show that my husband, when we were um, two years into our dating relationship, he suffered a spinal cord injury himself and now requires the use of a wheelchair full time. Um, He was on his way to work um, in the crosswalk with the right of way and he was struck by a passenger bus. Um, So when I, I got this letter, I could instantly remember that feeling of life happening and kind of in an instant knowing nothing would ever be the same and not really knowing how it was going to be. So how do you plan and how do you prepare when you really don't know what's happening next? And at the time, because we weren't married, I had no kind of spousal privileges or anything like that. So I wasn't able to just kind of take off from work. And so I was working and tending to him at the hospital. The days ended up being pretty long, excuse me, Um, and uh, it took me a while to find my way. Um, And so when I I, I think about helping you, Leslie, one of the things that I kind of want to give you permission to do a little bit is not take care of yourself right now. Like, I I, I know your friend is Anne. Hi, Anne. (laughs) Um, I called you listener, but you told me I could use your name too. So I, I, I know that Anne has your back and she wants you to take good care of yourself and she's worried about you and she wants to make sure you're going to be okay. But I also know that this just happened. It's only been three weeks and you are scared to death um, and you don't know what your future is going to look like. You don't know what your husband's future is going to look like and everybody's going to tell you to eat this. Everybody's going to tell you to sleep. They're going to say, we'll stay at the hospital, get some rest and you may not be capable of doing that and I want you to know that it's okay. I want you to know that living on a day-to-day basis, feeling like you have to be there all the time, it's a normal reaction to an incredibly abnormal event. And what you're trying to do right now is get a sense of control of it all. And this fear and this feeling that you have, that you have to be there is totally normal because you don't want to miss a doctor update. You don't want to to sort of miss anything and you need to be there. So the best thing that I can help Anne uh, do is encourage her to work with the hospital staff on the best option for, you know, how, how you're going to get some sleep, how you're going to be able to um, find your way um, and get some rest. Um, so whatever the best way you can do that for yourself at the hospital in the immediate time is probably the best thing. Um, when people shove food in your face, face, like try to take a bite or two. Most importantly, try to drink some water. Um, but what I, I want you to think about, and none of us know this when we're in it, um, is that you're planning for a marathon here. Um, right now, you're living life like it's a race, like it's a sprint, and you just need to get to the finish line. But these kind of catastrophic, traumatic situations, like you're in it for the long haul now, you and your husband and your family and your friends, you're all going to be in this for a while. So as soon as you can, start to get yourself into marathon mode because you know you want to be there and in it with your husband for the long haul, that he's going to need your support. He's going to need your encouragement. You are going to need support and encouragement from your people, yourself. Everybody's going to need to rally around and you're not going to know what's happening next and that's okay. Um, The best piece of advice I can give you is to feel what 
whatever it is you're feeling. So often, it's so common for caregivers to just not think about this happening to them, to not think about how their own life and their own future is disrupted by what's in front of them, to not break down and cry and to not give in to the fear and sadness because you feel like if you're going to, you know, if you start crying, you may never stop. The best thing you can do is when you need something, just identify that you need something and get it. So if you need sleep, take a nap. If you need to eat, eat something. But if you need to cry, cry it out. Don't force yourself to stop crying. Don't tell yourself that like there's time for that later or that don't quantify it as if you're feeling sorry for yourself. You get to be mad, sad, and scared. Somebody's irresponsible decision of getting into a car under the influence of alcohol has disrupted your life. You get to be horrified by that, to be scared by it, to just not know what's happening next. And being strong doesn't mean not feeling things. Being strong means doing what you need to do through the feelings. So sweetie, if you need to cry it out, cry it out. If you need to feel sorry for yourself and get scared and think about all the things you don't want to do and how this is impacting you, that's okay. If anger and rage overtake you that somebody else's stupid choice is affecting you to this degree, that's okay too. That personal development and moving through obstacles is not about kumbaya, rainbows, and unicorns. It's about being as real as possible, respecting your humanity, and recognizing that what is right now won't always be. It's not always going to be this bad. You're going to have new challenges. You're going to have new things to overcome. But right now, you guys are still in the ICU. You guys are still like without medical answers to some of the questions and the things he's dealing with. And you don't know the final outcome yet. So you're still in crisis. You're reacting to what's happening. And it's normal when you're in crisis mode to just go into survival instinct, to not realize you're hungry, to not realize you're thirsty and to not realize you haven't slept in 36 hours. But as you feel the effects of this crisis in your body, in your mind, and in your soul, it's really important to rest up, to recognize that you are in it for the long haul. So you need to take care of yourself. You're your best asset. And what like taking care of yourself means is saying yes to anything that sounds remotely pleasurable. So if somebody is just going to, you know, walk you to the lobby of the hospital and sit in a courtyard with you while you have a cup of coffee and that sounds kind of okay, then kind of do it. You know, nothing is going to feel good enough. Nothing is going to feel better. But if you can just find moments of respite and moments of breath, you will be training for the marathon that's in front of you. Sleep when you can, eat when you can. 
know who your trusted people are, lean on your tribe, and and just accept whatever it is that comes your way. So much of it feels sometimes when you're in that unexpected caregiving position, like you are carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders and every decision is a really important one. So anytime someone's making a decision for you and they're just showing up with food, eat it. Anytime somebody's putting a cup of coffee in your hand, drink it. When someone's saying like, I'm going to be here, um, I'll keep him company, go for a walk, take a shower, take it. Um, Whenever somebody's taking initiative for you to think for you, just lean into it. Because, you know, so often what happens is people say, how can I help? What do you need? And you are completely incapable of identifying that. So anytime someone takes initiative, just say yes. Um, I also want to talk to you a little bit about what to do after the crisis when he's not in the ICU anymore and he's in rehab and he's doing physical therapy and occupational therapy because that is that's the hard stuff. A lot of times, you know, I'll say anybody can do a crisis. Like crisis kind of forces you to show up, makes it really impossible to freeze. But when you are in the long, hard sort of, you know, routine of rehab, it can just be wearing, especially on your husband who's going to lose so much control over how his body used to work and the things he was capable of and how he has to adapt and adjust to all of the aches and pains and hurts and injuries that he has. So that's going to affect him. And as it affects him, it's going to affect you too. It might show up in his mood. It might show up in weird changes in the dynamics of your relationship. The best thing I did for myself is when we got out of crisis mode, when he was out of the ICU, I got myself a therapist. Um, It was like, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go straight to therapy. Um, And one of the things that I did that I, to this day, I actually think was more helpful to me than the actual therapy was I found a therapist who was an hour away. So it's so easy and it's so tempting to, you know, almost use like the hospital social worker or to use somebody around the corner. But what I ended up doing for myself by choosing somebody who was an hour away, I gave myself three hours of time to myself each week. So I had the drive there, I had the drive back, and then the hour in session. And that kind of time to catch my own breath, to tune into how I was doing and what I was needing and how I was feeling, it was everything to me. So I would really encourage you to find somebody that you can talk to. This would be a really good idea. Like this is a way your tribe can help you. Your tribe easily, are you listening tribe? Your tribe easily can go to psychology today and do a like a Google search for therapists, check people out, vet them a little bit, check out their websites, and they can help you find somebody. And I am not saying go to therapy because you're crazy or because it puts you into anything, any kind of anything you have to be embarrassed or ashamed about. But when this happens to him, it happens to you too. And figuring out what that means for you, how it changes you, what it, it, how it just 
shifts things for you is a process, but it's also too that one of the things that I, I think that was particularly helpful for me is that these situations bring up what I call inconvenient feelings. So um, when you get really good and pissed at somebody, um, but you think there might be consequences to that, when you want to say inappropriate things, but somebody's going to be affected by it, or you're going to be scared, but other it might trigger fear in other people. But that sometimes our words and our feelings have impact on other people. And so in therapy, when I was pissed at people for not helping, or when I was pissed about this, this or that, I could talk to the therapist and not have to worry that my words had any consequences. And when I was able to do that, I was able to get over it so much faster. I was able to push through and move on and, you know, kind of find my way with it. But if you were constantly feeling like you're in a bubble, like I, I know for me, I felt like I was in one of those snow globes, right? Where like it was just me and him and we were in it and everybody was on the outside going, wonder how she's going to do with this. Is she going to stay? Is she going to go? And it was like this weird period of disconnect, this ability to just not be watched, but to also be seen in therapy was a really great gift. But what you want is to find your people that you can talk to who are going to let you be totally fine one day, positive, optimistic, upbeat, who are going to let you be rageful and hateful and mad, who are going to let you resent having to take care of him, who are going to hold you when you're scared and when you're fearful and just release the feelings and sit with them without judgment. That is the biggest best piece of advice I can give you because what you feel right now you won't always feel there was so much time when I like would feel like hugely resentful or hugely angry um and when I you know everybody had opinions on how I should be doing things or what I should be doing differently or where I shouldn't be or how long I shouldn't be staying at the hospital and I constantly wanted to be like but I'm the only one here like it's just me so if you're volunteering to show up up, awesome. Otherwise, shut your mouth. It, it, that that ability to just be yourself, to find yourself as this happens is so critical. And that really, truly is the best piece of advice I can give you other than say yes to your tribe. And to your tribe, I'm going to tell them a couple of things first. The things that we forget when we're in the hospital full time are things like paying our bills. Um, <laughs> I, I, just talking from experience. Um, so think about if this happened to you, what would you need help with? And then go and do it. So that question of what do you need? How can I help? What would you like? Don't ask. Like, don't ask her what kind of food she likes. Don't ask her <laughs> if she wants anything. If you imagined that she might, just do it. Just say yes. She can always not eat it, not use it, not take you up on it. But it's so much easier to just take a pass on something or say yes to something than it is to identify what a need is in the moment. Um, 
and I can give you like, you know, another, you know, one of the other things that was super helpful in addition to bringing food so you're not stuck eating hospital food all the time was just kind of things to do to pass the time, like magazines and puzzles and books and stuff. Um, and in a cell phone charger always. Um, but you know, that idea is if you imagine it's going to be helpful just offer it, have, make it available, leave it. They can always, you know, your, your, your friends can always decide later whether or not they need it. Um, but this is a marathon for all of you and you all are going to find your way. Somebody's going to say something stupid. Somebody's going to do something stupid and you're all going to figure it out together. And that is the other most important thing to this. It, when crisis happens, it's really isolating. It, it really, you, you can't even make sense of it sometimes. Like you're just, you're so in it and it's so like right immediately in front of you that you, you have no concept of the outside world. So you're all going to be finding your way with it in your own way and in your own time. And when I think about what self-care really looks like during that time, it's respecting that. It's recognizing that there is no right way to do it, that there is no right way to feel, that there is no perfect, personally developed way of doing this. But if you can be honest with yourself, if you can respect your emotional experience, if you can say yes to help that's offered, if you perceive where help is, you know, might be needed to ask for it, that's how you're going to find your way with it. That this is going to change you, but you don't know how and you don't know when and you don't know any of those details but if you're open to it if whatever it is just gets to be it's so much easier to go through it that way um to just do it without judgment and to not know the answers but to be willing to find out i know that this response is totally rambly and probably doesn't even make that much sense um i had a whole list <laughs> I had, I'm looking at it. I didn't use it, but I had an eight item list. Um, but what I, I really, you know, decided is that, you know, we needed a human to human moment. Um, I do want you to know that if you would like to talk to me, like, you know, sort of wife to wife, human to human, um, you know, your friend Anne has my information, so please lean on her, um, get it, and you and I can have a chat over a cup of coffee, um, uh, you know, or something, and I, I can just, you know, offer you some support or whatever. Um, I, you know, happily help you out or just listen or whatever you need, um, but because you don't know me, I'm not going to be one of the people who just shows up, but you're welcome to say yes to that, and Anne can uh, connect us. I, you know, happy to offer you some advice and and, um, just keep you company on your journey. I'm so sorry to all of you that this happened. Um, what is right now won't always be. Um, this will be in your rear view mirror. Um, there will always be lasting effects and lasting memories of it, but it won't be this way forever. It won't be this scary forever. You will all find your way. Um, and any of you who need me in this time, if I, if I can help, or you just, you can't imagine what would be helpful and you need some more specific ideas, you know, and the tribe, all of you, you have my permission to reach out again. Happy to help you guys find your way with this human to human. Thanks so much for joining me today. Um, we just have to be human sometimes, my friend. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.